You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Tapani Kyrki, the group CEO at Aurora Innovation. The core is that you have a solid strategy which you think that really is correct one and then you defend the strategy then those hard decisions are much easier to make and everyone is understanding what is the short-term effect but what is the long-term value. We're back with another episode of the SAS Nordic Podcast and it's busy time, Daniel. What's on your agenda nowadays? It is busy times and right now, honestly, it's all about the event. What event? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. You didn't tell me. Is there an event coming? Sassiest 2023 is coming up soon, yeah? you know, sooner than you might expect. And, you know, there's still a lot of moving parts. It's looking good. Yeah. The agenda is coming together really well. We're, you know, we're putting people in the right places, in the right spots. Yeah. Uh, the, the speaker, uh, the presentations are coming in on time so it's looking good it's looking good but if i would sit here and say like everything is in place i would be a lying man yeah so we, we still have a distance to walk here yeah uh, but that is definitely top of my mind so sassiest 2023 a lot of work behind the scenes yeah, and it's fantastic to see all the interest from people that were here um, with our last year but also people that couldn't come and that really don't want to miss out this year so uh, it's going to be a blast for sure we are welcoming 1200 SaaS professionals to Malmö, Sweden in April 18th through 19th. Uh, don't miss out. You have all the information you need if you go to sassiest2023.com. And uh, that's it. And we are also going to do some meetups. And uh, for sure, we're going to be in Estonia for the first time in Tallinn together with Mesente. We're going to host a meetup on the 14th of March at six o'clock at their office. And there is more information about that as well. And yeah, we're going to put it on. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity if you're going there because we're doing this in conjunction with, you know, uh, the Estonian Startup Days. Uh, it's, they have a big festival there. And it's an official side event even. Yeah, it's, we're, uh, there you go. So suddenly we're, not, we're a side event to something. <laughs> no, but it's, it's going to be lots of fun. And we've seen great interest from, from the Baltics in the past. And, and like... Uh, I think I can speak on behalf of both of us, Thomas. We're really looking forward to meet the SaaS Nordic community over there and start growing that, interacting with folks over there. It's going to be amazing. And you find more information at sasnordic.com when it comes to that. But today we are looking to the east. We are looking to our Finnish neighbors and we're going to talk with a company that maybe is a little bit behind the scenes and are expanding a lot. They are around 20 million euro in ARR and the goal is to conquer Europe. So join us when we talk to Tapani Kirki at Aurora Innovation. Today we are joined by Tapani Kirki, the group CEO at Aurora Innovation. So welcome to the SAS Nordic podcast, Tapani. Thank you. Very nice to be here. It's great to have you here. And uh, I know we're recording this just before you're about to bounce off to uh, what we call in Sweden here, sport love or, or winter break for skiing. But before you go... We're going to talk a little bit about your journey, your international journey. Let's first start off with some introductions. Who is Tapani? Yes, Tapani is a 
54-year-old Finnish uh, guy who joined Aurora, a Swedish company, almost two years ago. Uh, I live in Helsinki, and uh, actually I visit our head office, Uppsala, on a weekly basis. Uh, shortly, my background comes from, let's say, practicing and studying management for the last 25 years. And then I have held some uh, or several C-level positions, mostly close to healthcare and business or well-being or business uh, the last, let's say, 15 years. Uh, so that is my background. All right. So you know the field you're in, and that, that's usually a good thing. You already revealed that it's about healthcare here, but uh, but tell us a little bit more about Aurora Innovation. What do you guys do? Yeah, uh, Aurora Innovation is, is let's say more than 20 years young company, and you could maybe say that we offer a digital platform for patient contact management. So that also describes that we are mostly focusing on healthcare. Uh, but what the digital platform for patient contact management means, uh, I think most being Sweden, there are many, many, many people who know us and our solution TeleQ is uh, in a simple way the, the service that enables time scheduled callback for healthcare sector. So when you're calling as a patient, you get callback promise that we will call you Thomas uh, 2.30 this afternoon. That is our solution that is behind the curtains there. Okay, so if no one calls me back, it's your fault. Yeah, or then perhaps <laughs> someone has uh, having a break. <laughs> okay. it's a, then it's a user error, Thomas. It's, not a, it's never a system error. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's worth mentioning that we have kind of couple functions. We, we want to improve the access to healthcare in general. But uh, perhaps even before that, we want to offer a better working environment for the healthcare professionals so that they have a clear control over their workload on a daily basis. And of course, when we succeed in these two areas, we also offer a clear, uh, let's say, operational improvement potential for the, the healthcare service provider at the level where the, where the investments are paid and, and who is the who is just paid for the, the bill, so to speak. So th th that is what dimensions we have uh, when you talk about our aspiration. And why innovation? Why not just Aurora? There have been a lot of innovations on our way back. Uh, our, our founder, Carl Leonhuvud, he was actually a small boy back in the 50s when he was wondering uh, as a small boy when sitting in the healthcare center that why, why on earth do all these people wait so patiently uh, before the doctor calls them in, that all these people are wasting their time just waiting here. And it was a kind of awakening moment for him. And that idea has been uh, developed further in terms of many, many innovations. And maybe the callback function is, is the pure solution there where he wanted to solve the problem. So you don't have to wait in the corridors, but you call in. And if your call cannot be answered, you will be called back. So you only have to call once and, and the person that is to help you, he or she knows when to call you back. Right. So, so there has been a lot of innovations since the problem identification, I would say. Some of the best solutions are developed by impatient people. I love it. So, mm -hmm. Tapani, I have a question for you here. Um, it's clear as to who is using uh, this type of platform and who will benefit from I mean, obviously the healthcare providers. But I'm curious... Do you sell it to uh, the healthcare providers or, you know, the, the hospitals or do you sell it to the municipality or the state? Like who buys this? We have a f 
office now in four countries: we're in Finland and Netherlands, uh, uh, Spain, and, and and Sweden, and we have a footprint in UK, Portugal, Estonia. Yeah. And let's say uh, in all these markets, there are few differences when it comes to our sales or or kind of distribution model. In Sweden, we have historically been operating uh, mostly through partners uh, who offer their solutions to regions or, or other other players where we are part of the bundle and that is where we operate through partners whereas in Finland for example we have 99.9% uh, direct customers and they can be hospitals they can be regions but they can also be individual small healthcare centers so the the variance is, is quite big there gotcha all right cool so just to get the picture of the size of your operation and so on so where are you at for instance when it comes to arr annual recurring revenue at the moment mm, i would say that we are closing 200 million sec this year around 170 million perhaps okay uh kind of nice growth because of the history of the company there is some uh, black holes in our numbers, but let's say since 2016, we've been growing 17% every year. All right. So, so that that's where we have uh, been accelerating the most is after, after 16. And when it comes to growth, is that mainly new customers or do you also have the opportunity to grow with existing customers? It's a combination, of course. Mm. And you mentioned the um, number of customers, right? A little bit around that. but um... Yeah, I got this question in advance. And that was a tricky one because if we take, for example, Stockholm region in Sweden, that is one customer. Yeah. But on the other hand, within the Stockholm region, there are tens of different individual units that actually are kind of independent customers in our portfolio, but they are within the same agreement umbrella. So... If we take just the brutal number of individual customers, I would say it's 500-ish okay. plus. I see. But we have, a, let's say, we have tens of thousands of end users and we have done over 6,000 installations during the years in Europe. So it's maybe a bit misleading to just look at the number of individual customers. Yeah, I understand. And, and how big is your workforce? We are closing 100. Okay. 100. Cool. Will you celebrate 100 in... A particular way with the big cake ah that's that's something that we have been thinking about oh I, I see you don't want to spoil it because you know a lot of your colleagues will listen to this and you're just like ah there's a surprise moment yeah that's true no comment at this point tapani jumping out of a, a cake <laughs> maybe perhaps but uh, <laughs> expect something uh, aurora people uh, it will be it will be noticed in some way so you mentioned already uh, the markets uh, you come out of the nordics and are expanding so what is the long long scheme here is that is that going global eventually or where will you stay yeah I think our winning aspiration, we say that we want to be the leading patient contact management system in Europe. Okay. So it kind of sets, sets the footprint and there are certain or, or particular reasons why. Uh, and our business strategy focuses mostly on healthcare. And when it comes to healthcare, there is a kind of strict national regulations, uh, compliance requirement, etc. but also how healthcare is consumed and financed in different markets. So I think there is uh, enough of complexity in the European scale 
for some time. <laughs> I can see that. And how is your operation funded? You've been around for a long time, but uh, yeah, are you VC backed or no organic? No, we are self financed. We have a, we are a family company. Okay, we are owned to one person, and then we have been growing with patience but ambition. So I think that's a good balance, and that also has has meant that we have been financing the growth by ourselves. All right, but you're not a part of the family, so to speak. You you come as a as a hired CEO here since a few years back, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Okay, okay, very cool. So uh, I guess that means you're profitable. You've been running the business with some profitability year year after year here. Uh, that, that's an excellent question. No, we're not profitable today, but that has been a deliberate reasoning behind that because uh, if I just very shortly comment on on the history, I think. The core of our product is very good, and, and as we discussed earlier, it is loved by our end customers. And you could be a bit unfair uh, to people working at Aurora during the last years, but that has also partly been our curse. Because we have had such a great product, mm-hmm. uh, we have been growing steadily with good profitability to a certain point where we observe that actually in order to scale up further growth and to become even even bigger and better, that's when some kind of good bureaucracy is needed, but also some other homework, such as productification, system architecture, um, processes, uh, all kind of uh, catalyst areas. And we have identified these for a few years ago and, and and made a decision that we really want to take the next level. So that requires that we invest in getting these areas into shape in order to enable further growth, even with a higher delta. Yeah. And that those investments uh, were taken two years ago, which has meant that operationally we have been making red numbers the last year and, and 2021. But... Uh, Without revealing too much, this year looks like uh, that we are trying to, or we are, we are getting to the break-even. And, and of course, that is where we start to see the delta. Right, uh, right. Bring in the results. Yeah, interesting. And, and I think this actually naturally brings us into the, to the main topic of today. We're going to talk a little bit about your growth journey and, and what you've observed and learned from it. It's one thing to grow from smaller numbers to 5 million euros versus going from 5 million to 15 or 20 million euros that you guys are touching upon right now. Mm. Like from a high level perspective, you touched upon it a little bit, like, but what have you observed as the main differences between these two so-called growth journeys? I've been in company now a little over two years. So of course I have my time perspective, but, but how I see is that, that it has been, uh, lean, mean, flexible machine until to a certain point where it has been enough uh, to work directly with the customer, to do many things by yourself, to have flexible ad hoc solutions, to make every large individual customer happy instead of addressing the market need. So it has been more like scattered, but kind of flexible journey, which has uh, resulted in quite nice growth until to a certain level of customers and complexity in markets where you suddenly realize that your margin, marginal cost 
to grow is negative, meaning that every additional euro costs you more than what, what you can have uh, uh, in the bottom line. And then it comes to the fact that you have to invest in scalability and scalability in, in every terms, not only kind of pure costs, but also, okay, what kind of system development machinery you have? What is your infrastructure? How can you scale up your, your infrastructure when your number of customers increase? But also the way that you develop your business, not perhaps listening too much on one individual and important customer, but merely focusing on the market and try to interpret phenomena and input from the market perspective. And by that sense, scale up your offering so that it addresses the market instead of making one individual customer happy. That actually costs a lot after a certain point. Right. So the key word is here to, to invest and, and enable scalability in every dimension. All right. And I guess this uh, goes for anything from internal systems, processes, competence, roles, uh, organization, uh, a lot of different dimensions, as you uh, said. But uh, what would be your top three uh, changes that you, you need to do during this period? Focus and deselection. Yeah. Maybe that is something that, that we have really sharpened our strategy and we really want to focus on the things, but not go into that trap that everything is on top of everything else, but we have to deselect things away so that we can really focus on st our strategic priorities. And was that to not cater to each customer's special needs, or was it to maybe cut off certain parts of your product portfolio? Uh, it's, every, it's both of those. It's kind of do some technologically solid decisions that perhaps sacrifice some customer who wants to have on-prem solution because it's just too costly and you don't offer that anymore. Yeah. Make kind of hard decision that enables you to scale up on the larger scale and, and even take the risk to lose one individual customer. Yeah. And how was that? I mean, that's a really tough thing to do, to have that conversation with the customer. So could you give some insight? Did you have to take that tough call or, or who made that tough uh, response or communication with the customer? I think that hasn't been an overnight, just overnight wisdom. I think we have made some errors when going into that game and then making customers satisfied with on-prem solution in order to have that customer uh, and that has maybe in the short term been okay decision but then has been very costly in the long term but also we have uh, been rejected from from procurement cases due to the fact that we have said that sorry we don't offer on-prem solution yeah and we have even decided not to join a procurement case because the requirement has been kind of on-prem area. And of course, that is a hard decision and you have to back it up with facts. But the core is that you have a solid strategy which you think that really is correct one and then you defend the strategy. Yeah. Then those hard decisions are much easier to make and everyone is understanding what is the, the short-term effect but what is the long-term value. Yeah, so the first thing would be focus and deselection then. So uh, two other things that were the top changes that you needed to do during this growth phase. When we have interesting discussions with our personnel quite often, I tend quite often to repeat that we pay some rent for the office. We have servers here and there. We have few company cars. But what we have is us people. 
So when it comes to kind of our journey and during the 20 years, of course, it's the people that are crucial and very critical. And with people, you either succeed or fail. And then when it comes to the fact that the world has developed, there have been a lot of technological changes. Architecture has changed a lot. The telephony development has been kind of dramatic. Of course, you have to be awake and ensure that you have the competence in-house and you also invest in future competence and you acquire talents and, and you ensure that you have the muscles when it comes to competence to develop according to your strategy. So I, I would say that you have to have the right competence, right people. Yeah. And what did you do to secure that you sort of kept the competence that you, you needed and also found new talent? Uh, I think I don't have any bigger wisdom than my colleagues uh, in the modern world when it comes to our business tech companies. And, and, and we know that the most competent people, they are, everyone wants to have them. So you really have to offer something that is relevant and important to them. Uh, we are a family-owned company with a very solid value base. I think every Aurorian, when, when we wake up in the morning, we know that we do a little bit more than just work. We help our customers to help people's people with their health issues. So there's a very solid value basis. Yeah. And I have been recruiting both uh, management level uh, member colleagues, but also combat and specialists. And I think when we succeed in telling the candidates how do we see world, what, why do we see uh, us being important, creating value, uh, uh, that is when the eye starts to blink <laughs> and maybe we are able to tackle some other material or, or company size-related uh, yeah. kind of obstacles. Yeah, it's very relatable what, what you're doing. I mean, everyone has been in those situations and it, it's really easy to tell a friend or, or someone sort of what is uh, what good comes of what you're doing all day. So, uh, yeah, I think that that is a benefit of, for sure. And um, do you have a third one that you want to throw in there? Uh, a change that you need to make processes, software, organization-wise? You also talked a little bit about uh, productification. Well, like, what does that mean? <laughs> productification, uh, well, we know that we have a great product, but we also should be able to communicate it in the way that makes it easier to sell and very easy to, to start using and very easy to buy more. And, and so that, that's maybe a simple explanation there. That productification means that our advanced and good functional product should be also easy to feel, touch, smell and use. Okay. So it has nothing to do with uh, uh, some services being uh, packaged as, as products these days or anything like that? No, that's very relevant. Uh, we spend a lot of time in, in developing how we package our solution, how, it's, how is the pricing model, how are we packaging the different kind of functionalities, how are we invoicing it, but also how we support kind of from the customer lifecycle perspective, the implementation of the product, the, the understanding of its value and how can we coach and help our customer to become a heavy user of the product and by that taking the, the biggest advantage of the investment they have made. Fundraising can be exhausting. With Float, 
Funding for SaaS businesses has never been easier. All digital funding platform apply in just a few clicks. 100% customizable growth loans to fit your needs. No dilution, no personal or equity guarantees. Fuel your growth by accessing a credit line of up to 70% of your ARR within days. And the best of all, you get a fixed interest rate from Float. Visit gofloat.io and get funded. You mentioned in the beginning here you're present in multiple countries and so on. But <clears throat> I'm making an assumption here now. Uh, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm guessing your go-to-market plan for new countries cannot always be a one-to-one approach due to maybe regulatory uh, positions in those different countries and maybe also cultural elements as to how you go and visit your doctor. So how has it been for you to take on new regions? Yeah. Well, it's easy to be honest here and say that how we started our internalization that was a very opportunistic behavior. Someone knew someone who knew someone. That was a good start for the business. To to if we had a customer or we had someone who want who saw the value of our product and wanted to start selling it. That was the go to market strategy in the early days, and and it has its good good effects. But of course, it's not that sim- simple as, as this uh, example maybe tells us. Uh, how we do the internalization and how do we select the market and how we do there is, it's, I think, our vice or the deputy CEO, CCR2E, had a very good presentation in Uppsala a few weeks ago where this question was very much addressed. And I think the kind of focused experience or, let's say, the biggest experiences and lessons learned that we have had during our journey is that first it starts with the fact that you have to know what you mean with going global or going uh, abroad. Is it like volume you want to have? Do you just want to have footprint? Do you want to have profitable business? How fast do you want to scale it up? So what is the target for your step going abroad? I like that. So you define like what success looks like. Yeah, exactly. No, not just uh, take your suitcase and, and enter a country. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas and I have done that in, in our previous lives. <laughs> That's also, that, that can work and it has worked for us also. But maybe lessons learned perspective tells us something different. And then, of course, I think in early days when we went abroad, there was success, but it was success based on individual initiatives, individual success stories, not due to the fact that everyone in the company were aligned or committed or understood that what does this mean to us. So maybe lesson number two would be that that you really have to focus on getting commitment from everyone and make sure that, that everyone in the company understands where are we going and why and what does that require from every one of us. Not in a way that we leave the poor sales guy alone in the, on the market and trying to navigate between the customer and the, the, the company functions where not everyone really understand what we are doing and why. So that may be something worth thinking of. And then I think we mentioned earlier with you, Daniel, that, that uh, it's, even though Nordic countries are very similar, but you should never underestimate that there are differences that you must kind of honor in a way or at least uh, adapt how you want to address them. So kind of respect the cultural differences, regulations, uh, consumer behavior, how is your product used uh, in general, who is paying for the product, who is using the product, 
and and that requires some perseverance and kind of focus and and also capability to address those challenges and in the circle of trust here what nordic country is the most different and and tricky would you say from this perspective it's very difficult to answer objectively we can make funny stories that what country would be <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> let's talk about the danes let's talk about the danes <laughs> i don't know if if you take the the kind of level of legislation level of uh, maneuvering room for private companies within the healthcare production system for us those are the kind of criteria within which we see that there has to be some kind of dynamics and i think every nordic country has that uh not quite totally serious but we try to enter norway but uh, let's say that was a lesson learned and now we are evaluating how to do it in the in the best possible way but i would say the nordic countries are very similar to the extent what is important for us in order to be able to focus on in the correct entry strategy all right so T- thomas i'm going to have to shoot this back at you i know you have also sold to all the nordic countries who do you think was the most tricky one to sell to <laughs> why why T- tell us like wh- why was it so tricky to sell to the danes or more tricky to sell to the danes no i love the danes i love the danes you can love them and it can still be tricky they are tough in business uh, and maybe i'm a weak sales guy so that might be the the um, explanation but i think one angle to that question you raised that okay how do we see that how to enter a market that has also been a lesson learned and and i think we have selected that we want to grow through partners. We call partners, for example, TSP, telecom service providers. Uh, they can be providers, service providers themselves. They can be resellers or they can be a combination of those. And we want to find and, and target partners uh, who are having a local presence, have the market knowledge, have the understanding for all these obstacles that we were listing earlier but also reversed a partner where we can deliver the highest added value in their offering towards the the customers and the market. So I think how we see this today is that we really want to expand through win-win-win partnerships, Mm. addressing all the challenges that we were talking about. And now when you're expanding internationally, how do you do to find the best partners? Of course, we have experience. We have kind of few years very successful experience in sweden where we have uh, successfully built on partnerships so so majority of our business in sweden actually uh, is coming through partnerships so of course that has taught us and we know kind of success criteria for for a good fruitful partnership when it comes to to our service and our customers and that is how we kind of copy and steal with pride the good lessons from Sweden. And then, of course, we have to adapt and understand the local markets, the local partnerships. But again, we have partners in one country. Of course, they probably have also footprints in the market we are addressing. So this kind of leads to a good dialogue when we expand also our existing partnerships today in a way that enables us to enter markets somewhere else where our partner has a footprint and who we know already from some other market. Right. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think, uh, at least that's how I interpret it. I think I'm hearing that you want to standardize as much as possible. You know, if there would be one motion that would apply everywhere, then, you know, let's run with that. But the reality doesn't always look like that. So you've actually adjusted your distribution model. You've adjusted your pricing model where needed and the entire go-to-market motion depending on what region you go to. I think that's refreshing to hear because in the B2B SaaS world, like sometimes I tend to feel, I'm not saying that everybody feels this way, but people are looking for this magical template. Like once I figured out one region, I'm going to do the same thing in 20 other regions and then shebang, there's success. Mm. But sometimes you have to go quite a bit of an extent here to adjust and adapt to make sure that, you know, it's still the same product, but there's certain elements in how you present and offer that product in those markets need to be significantly different. So I think that's that's really worth considering here. Very well summarized. Good summary, Daniel. Thank you. And and then I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Right. But uh, super, and uh, it's exciting to to see how, how you sort of uh, expand around in, in Europe. And um, what else is in the future for your company besides European domination? I think we have, during the last few years, we have made some large investments into group-level scalability. The nearest one or two years, that those are the years where we really start to get results from this investment and start running faster and, and also wiser. So and that is very inspirational for me for me as a CEO, but also for every Aurorian, because I think we have succeeded also having a good communication so that everyone knows what we have been doing, why, and where we are heading, which is also a success criteria. So I'm very inspired that we have a kind of sweaty, but in a positive way, sweaty years, uh, the, the coming years. We are focusing heavily on partnership. That means that we also have to understand and succeed in entering new markets and growing our business. At the same time, we have a kind of extensive direct customer portfolio in, in the markets where we want to expand through partners. So we have to balance and we cannot forget our existing customers just because we want to grow through another kind of distributed setup. So that is maybe something that, that needs focus. Right. And then, of course, we get better and better. And, and because the digitalization of healthcare uh, it's rapidly accelerating and everyone is talking about digital platforms, ecosystems. I think we are awake, we are aware that we have to understand the trends, both the visible macro trends, but also underlying kind of changing powers within the healthcare and digitalization of the contact platforms. And that uh, kind of highlights the agenda that we have to be hungry and humble, but very focused on where do we want to position ourselves in this communication platform ecosystem. So that is something that that uh, keeps us awake in a positive way. So maybe those kind of... And now you have the chance, if you're looking for something particular, to do a shout out to the listeners. What are you looking for right now? We are saying in Finland that perfectly planned is totally unimplemented. So... When it comes to get the machinery up and running, I think we have done our homework. We know that we have some early success, 
but we are making a kind of big transformation of the company when it comes to our strategy, uh, growth, choices, and, and strategy implications. So now I'm interested in really making it all happen in a way that proves that we have made the right choices and we are understanding the market we are in. Okay. If I have one person here that you can hire, what person would that be? I think we have done great. We have taken great steps when it comes to setting up our, our product development. Kind of nice steps when it comes to improve the system development competence and setup. Yeah. We are uh, heavily renewing our global sales setup, approaching, uh, we call them center of excellence approach. So I think when it comes to strategic entities and strategic structure, that start to be in place. Mm. So now I would really ensure that I can hear the footprint and I can hear some running uh, noises all over the company. Whether that's a kind of CCO commercial officer or whether it's a uh, operational management, that kind of thinking is is acute at the moment, and we are quite openly discussing that also in our management team. Okay, so number hundred could be a CCO that gets uh, a cake <laughs> on, on the first day <laughs> at work. Ah, that's a good throw. Okay, who knows and. Um, if you were to listen to the podcast any any time in the future, what guest would get you excited if we could uh, get here on the show? Well, my interest is very much on the management. And if, if you would ask me that, okay, what is the most crucial uh, when it comes to personal being our most important resource, I would say first line management and management. Uh, and, and there are a lot of things that need just uh, uh, operational actions. But also, if you look around and we see what kind of management is a must nowadays and where is management developing itself, I'm very interested in really understanding that, okay, how do we lead uh, the best people today? How, how, what do we have to change? Of course, I know something about service-oriented management, but management as a headline with it all with all its implications is there a person that you are curious to to hear her or his story i think i i i start from the needs kind of headlines yeah more than that that i have some person in my mind okay sure that's fair fair enough hey it was it was great having you on the show tapani uh thank you so much for sharing this and and best of success to you in, in Lapland with, uh, are you doing downhill skiing or cross-country skiing? Let the weather decide. <laughs> oh, you can do both. Look at this. A man of many talents. So <clears throat> much appreciated for you being on the show. Take care now and we'll speak soon. Thank you. So Daniel, what's your takeaway from the episode today? Uh, I think I, I at some point also summarized it a little bit of my thoughts and what I heard, but uh, it was great to hear Tapani's approach and I, I guess some of their international expansion and how they go to market and distribution model is affected by whom they're selling to you know the healthcare uh, world which is highly regulated and so on but i still thought it was interesting to hear that going abroad there's not always you know a one size fits all and sometimes 
you have to do quite a bit of an adjustment, whether it's to your pricing or to your product or your distribution model, direct versus partners and so on to be successful. So I, I thought he, at some point he said like, don't underestimate the differences between countries and region that might seemingly look the same, but in order for you to be successful with the sales of your product, you have to make sometimes some rather big changes and differences. So I, I thought that was refreshing to see, like there's not always a one size fits all. What about you, Thomas? Well, I thought that struck me was that if you want to fuel your growth, if you have an ambition to grow, if you have an ambition to keep your, your um, employees and so on, it can help if you really solve a problem that you know makes the world better that people can relate to that people can feel that you know when i go to work when i do my uh, programming or when i you know do the support tickets it actually helps people in the daily lives yeah. so um, bringing health to people is, is is a you know tough one to argue against so yeah thomas what motivates you what what brings you up here other than knowing like oh eight o'clock i'm going to get to see daniel on the other side of the screen like what is that driving force it's mostly that <laughs> besides that i think it's when we see that what we are doing bringing people together so they can share experiences and knowledge and how that makes people empowered. That's something that uh, I really get a lot of energy from. I, I can remember earlier in the days, I, I was kind of alone, I think, in my role. You maybe knew someone that also worked with the same you did at another SaaS company, but you didn't really have a forum. Right. I mean, if you were maybe a, a CEO or if you have some kind of high position, you might have different groups or you went to conferences and so on. But for the more operational people, uh, I was never a big shot, right? So um, I don't know about that. You're, you're rather big. You're the only one in the company that didn't have a boss. <laughs> <laughs> More or less. But, uh, but you know, this community building uh, and, you know, what that brings in order to... You, you can gain so much knowledge and you can get so much of just helping each other. That's sort of what, what I'm... Um, yeah, what makes me go up in the morning. Very good. Democratizing knowledge, creating that form. So keep up the good, good work. That's a good reason to wake up every morning and get cracking at the computer. I appreciate that. But it's mostly to, to see you and spend some time and do uh, <laughs> the fun stuff. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, really happy that you joined us for yet another episode. We are trying to um, keep the speed up during the spring, uh, doing a lot of new episodes here coming up. And um, otherwise... Well, I hope that we see you at Sassius. Don't miss out. Before you finish, Thomas, let's remind people that, you know, you know where to find us, obviously, because you're listening to this. Why don't you hit that, you know, five-star button as well. If you appreciate the episodes, hit uh, those five stars there. But, and, and also, if you have any further ideas of topics or people that we should have on the show here, let us know. Drop us a note. You know by now where to find us. And maybe we even have an open slot for uh, for speakers at the Sassist event. Might be full now, but uh, you can always take a shot and contact us if you have someone that you really want to see on stage. Bye-bye.